Recording in progress. Look at that. Hey, recording in progress. <laughs> you finally updated. I updated it. <laughs> and Welcome the lady's the not as loud. Mm. Nice. Or maybe it's just my volume. It could mm. be. Whatever. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Good. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. We're here. Welcome back to another, another week, episode. Another episode of our Epping Podcast. Yes. Back at it. Haven't gotten rid of us yet. <laughs> no one's well, chased us with pitchforks yet. True. That's true. Nobody's chased us with pitchforks yet. That would maybe that's what we need to do to get people to email us is like just be mm. as outrageous as possible to see if we can even get like the negative responses. Like, how dare <laughs> you say such a thing? <laughs> at least one hate email. Like I'm, I'm actually a little disappointed we haven't accomplished that yet. Like it, yeah. it feels like a personal failure on my part. <laughs> <laughs> Um, needless to say, you guys should, you know, send us emails and tell us you're mm. listening because right now you're just numbers on our downloads. Mm. All 20 Although I have had, uh, have had a few, um, personal text messages from people telling oh. me that they've, uh, clearly they've we know who listening. the favorite is. Well, I mean, obviously. Uh. <laughs> 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 It's fine. I didn't want to feel loved anyway. So mm. everyone text Carolina because I don't Actually. want her to get too jealous. <laughs> they don't have my number. <laughs> <laughs> You're just supposed to know. You're just supposed to know You're the just number. Supposed to know. Or you could like, you know, through Instagram or Facebook. Mm. This or is true. The email. It's fine. Mm-hmm. There's so many options to talk there to us. Are. Yeah, we're always here for you guys. Well, apparently Jess is always here for you, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the silent partner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Enough with the games. Well, for those of you who are just joining us, I'm Jess. I'm Carolina. And this is our effing podcast. Welcome to another week. We're doing something a little different today, aren't we? We are. We're switching it up. We're uh, we're adding in a new, um, what I'm hoping will be kind of like a recurring, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Mini series. <laughs> Yeah, or like a, 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 I don't want to say segment because it's not really like a segment yeah, yeah. of an episode, but like, mm. I don't know. It's just a little deal that we'll do. And we yep. probably, it probably will be occurring because I doubt anybody's going to email us to tell us they don't like it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> if no one says they hate it, we'll keep doing it. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, clearly yeah. we want you guys to email us um, <laughs> we're just really bit. lonely okay <laughs> we just want to know you guys are out there and interact with you it's true it's fine we do anyway um so this kind of well, we'll call it a segment sure why sure. not uh this segment is we're calling it i'm calling it renegade bible stories um so as a reminder season two is all about faith and this particular series, little mini series, is called Renegade Bible Stories, where I am going to tell you a Bible story. Yay. <laughs> uh, we'll take some new looks at some ancient stories, and um, hopefully we'll have a little bit of fun along the way. So. Yeah, I'm super excited because I always love it when you come at me with your summaries and renditions of what happened in such and such story and I'm like that 
it's exactly what happened, but I just love the way that you said it, you know, and it's always so fun <laughs> yes. and engaging. And so I'm super excited for everybody to hear these. Yes, we're going to be reading these stories in just standard version or JSV. Yes. If you don't have that um, Bible, you know, get it, it at your local imaginary <laughs> Christian bookstore. <laughs> when I was growing up, my dad used to call it uh, Hayes paraphrasing. Mm. So we're going we're gonna to Hayes paraphrase some scripture. <laughs> I've actually, you know what? I've heard that one before. I've heard you guys say that. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a that's a Brad Hayes original there, which it's his birthday today, so it's apropos that we're mentioning. Happy him. birthday, Brad! Happy birthday, Brad! Brad! <laughs> Brad! Brad! Dad! Brad! Dad! Brad! Dad! Oh. Brad! <laughs> Brad! Dad! <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's enough of that. <laughs> oh, we're adults. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So our first, uh, first of all, okay. So First, let's, I want to like set some um, groundwork and say that there are some things I want to make sure that I communicate before we get into renegade Bible stories. Uh, First of all, um, first of all, these stories are my interpretation of ancient stories. So it's, it's okay for us to disagree. (laughs) You don't have to agree with, with my interpretation. Um, number two, I am not God. I don't know all, see all, or have all the answers. Duh. If you, if you don't know that already, like. Jess doesn't know uh, everything. Uh, I don't know. Go back don't and worry, listen Don't worry, it's to- disappointing for me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> um, and then, uh, last of all, this is just one small story. That is ultimately part of a bigger story, revealing God's heart to rescue us from the brokenness mm-hmm. we create for ourselves. Yeah. So um, anyways, I just want to make sure that every time we talk about specifically about writing Bible stories that we mention those remind us of those three things. So brilliant. Cool. Let's get into it. Let's crack into it. <laughs> Let's. Um, today's story, I am calling the parable of two prophets. Gotcha. The two prophets. That's right. The two prophets. Um, and you can find the story in first Kings chapter 13. If you want to go like read the story itself. And we have two characters, two main characters, which is the young prophet and the old prophet. Pretty easy. The to keep young up one, with. the old one. Gotcha. Do they have names? The millennial and the boomer. <laughs> they don't <laughs> oh. have names. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> uh no, they don't have names. They don't have names. They're just okay. prophets. Unnamed. Um, so I'm just gonna like read my rendition of the story and then we can discuss our thoughts. Cool? Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. Here we go. Once upon a time. <laughs> Once upon a time, there were two prophets who worshipped Yahweh. The first prophet was a young man who was sent on a heavenly road trip. As he was preparing to leave, Yahweh said to him, Now remember, just deliver my message and take an alternate route home. Don't stay for any dinner parties. (laughs) Dang. Exactly what God sounds like. (laughs) Don't stay for any dinner parties. Don't stay for any dinner parties. That's so sad rough the young prophet agreed and went on his way when he arrived at his destination he delivered Yahweh's message to the king and after some typical dramatics the king invited him to stay for dinner Mm-mm. but the young prophet was a man of honor and he said to the king sorry Yahweh warned me against dinner parties <laughs> <laughs> and so he left to find a new way home Now, in that same city, there was an old prophet who heard about the young man and his prophecy to the king. So he saddled up his favorite donkey and went to find the young prophet. The old prophet found him taking a pit stop under an oak tree and said, hey, I heard about your prophecy stuff. Uh, Can you come back and have dinner with me so we can talk about it? But the young prophet told him the same thing he told the king. Sorry, dude. Yahweh said no dinner parties. No exceptions for old prophets. No exceptions for old prophets. 
But the old prophet was not a man of honor. So he lied to the young man saying, well, I'm a prophet too. And Yahweh's angel told me to invite you to dinner. So come on. The young prophet foolishly believed the old man and followed him back to his home for dinner. Yahweh considered this a rebellion against his clear no dinner parties warning. As the young prophet left the dinner party and made his way back home, he was killed by a lion while he traveled. Yikes. The end. (laughs) (laughs) And they lived unhappily ever after. Well, they didn't live, clearly. (laughs) And they died unhappily. (laughs) They died with a full belly ever after. (laughs) The lion lived happily ever after, I'm sure. This is true. Yeah, definitely a happy lion in this story. Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I thought about writing like a little, what could we learn from this? But I think it would be more fun in this first one to just kind of like discuss what are some things that maybe stick out to you in the story or things that you feel like are um, lessons that are valuable for us to to learn from the story? Um, I think what sticks out to me the most is kind of a reiteration of what I've been learning for the past several months, which is, you know, no matter what anybody else says or speaks over you, you have to trust what you heard the Lord say and, Mm -hmm. you know, use your discernment and use your common sense sometimes, and sometimes not common sense because, you know, God does things backwards occasionally, (laughs) always. Um, But like, trust what you know and what you heard God say, even if somebody else says, well, God told me this about you. And, like, if it doesn't line up, which happened to me a little while back, um, I came to Brazil knowing that God said one year, and I I felt peace about the one year, even though it felt like like I knew it would be difficult, and it has been. And I, I knew all this stuff, like, anything less than a year felt wrong, and anything more than a year gave me really bad anxiety, <laughs> like the bad kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was sure. I was sure about the whole one-year situation, right? And then somebody recently came to me and said, you know, she said some really amazing things. And then at the end of what she said, she was like, I think you should, you should do this course thing at, at the church the church that I've been going to. It's like a three-month course. And I was like, okay, well, when does it start? And they didn't know yet. She didn't know yet. She gave me like a rough estimate. And I was like, well, if it ends later than May, I can't do it because I go home in May. I go back in May. God said one year. And it took a while for, you know, for that to come back to me the official date because I wanted to do it if it was, if it had started in January, but it actually starts at the end of this month. And so like, if it had started back in January, I would have been able, it's this whole thing of like timing and trying to decide like, am I supposed to stay longer for this? And it sent me into a bit of a whirlwind spiral because I was like, well, I heard a year. Was I wrong? Have I been wrong this whole time? this, this, and that. And then I just kind of settled into the fact, like, this woman has known me. She doesn't know me well at all. And she has known me superficially for about as long as I've been here. So seven, eight, nine months, something like that. I already lost count. Um, and it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, I have to trust what I already know. And everything else can fall into place around that. And and God wouldn't tell me something and then take that away. You know? And so I think that that's what stands out to me the most in the story is the, the old quote-unquote prophet lying to the young man and saying, like, well, the angel of the Lord told me you should come have a dinner party with me um, or just have dinner with me. And 
I think that I don't know what I would have done in that prophet shoes, but I would like to believe that I would say, you know, well, that's not in line with what I know God told me and then be on my way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> continue on your way. Home. <laughs> yeah. And then not get killed by a lion. Mm, avoiding lions at all costs. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> what is it? Um, what does the Lord's voice sound like to you? Oh, I don't know what it sounds like. I think it's soft and tender and steady and sure. Um, it comes with a sense of, I don't know how to explain it. It's soft, but it's concrete. Does that make sense? It's not heavy. It's not imposing, but it's solid and it's, and it feels right and it feels true. Even if it makes me a little uncomfortable, like even in the uncomfortableness of my humanity, I know that that thing is true. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I would be able to tell you what it sounds like, but I can tell you what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> when, cause you've been, I'm asking these questions because you've been in a season of navigating this and learning these things mm-hmm. very recently. So like, I know, I think, I think a lot of us have a hard time identifying when it's the Lord's voice and when it's our own internal dialogue. So for you, because I think you've really grown in being able to differentiate between the two in this season. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways you know the difference between the two? I don't always Um, It usually takes me a while to kind of sift through what is my own insecurity or my own, I'll let the musical car pass, Um, (laughs) what is my own, you know, stuff that's going on or my own will and desire and what is God's. And one thing that I've noticed along the way is that in most things, not in everything, not in every decision or in every situation, but in a lot of things, the more time I spend with the Lord, the more my will and my desires line up with his will and his desire for me. And so often I will think, you know, should I do this thing or should I participate in this event or this or that? And it's, it's an easy decision because I want to do it and I don't feel a no from the Lord. I don't feel any resistance from the Lord with that. So I know that he and I are in line. Does that make sense? Um, but I think that as far as differentiating on, you know, what is the thing that I want and what is the thing that the Lord wants and when those things actually don't necessarily line up. I don't know if I know how to explain it, which is why I'm rambling. (laughs) Um, It's like I have to marinate on it for a really long time. I am a slow processor, in case anybody didn't know. And so, like, I have to kind of think things through and ponder them for a while And kind of, you know, feel out, like, does this, does this line up with what I know the Lord wants for me? Like, the solid things that I know, the things that I know He's been teaching me, the things that I, you know, have grown in. Does this line up with that? Um, Will it be healthy for me? Will it be good for me? Will it? Is there a way where it can hurt me in some way? You know, and I think I think that it's a lot of conversations that I have with God. And um, I think with everything that I that I go through, it's never it's never like, oh, God, 
I know that God said this immediately. Like I, I have to sift through a lot of it to get to the root of things. And then it's a, it's a process. I don't know if any of that made any sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that these things rarely make sense, especially, you know, trying to explain it to other people because it won't be that same way for them. You know, like Some, sometimes it will be. Sometimes not, it will be, but I think I think it's Lord, intimate. It, it's yeah. very intimate. Yeah. And the Lord will the Lord will speak to you in a way that you will be able to understand. They I'm not saying that it's easy to know when the Lord is speaking, but I'm saying that he it will be in a way unique to you. Right? Mm-hmm. And like I think the only thing that I can say is just to dive deeper. Just dive in deeper and dive lean deeper into, into that what? into relationship and into prayer mm. and into like for me I had to start journaling. I had to. I never liked journaling. I could never keep up with it. I I would go months and months without writing anything down like but I had to start putting, I had to be intentional about prayer. And the only way that I could be intentional about prayer was if I was writing them down. Because my mind wanders and, you know, I start thinking about other things. And then I, suddenly I'm not praying anymore. And it feels like I'm just sitting, staring into space, not praying. And so, like, I had to, I had to intentionally start journaling and, like, sifting through my thoughts and my feelings and, you know, putting things out there for the Lord and just really um, digging into relationship and into prayer so that I would be able to differentiate or begin to differentiate because I think I'm still a newbie at this. (laughs) But to, like, begin to differentiate what is me and what is God and what is both of us, you know? And I think more often than not for me these days, I line up. Not always, but I think a lot of times the Lord and I are like, we're on the same page, and that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Moving in the same direction. Yeah. What about you? How does the Lord speak to you? What does his voice sound like to you? (laughs) What does his voice sound like? Uh, (laughs) His voice sounds like, uh, you know, anyone who spent time, any kind of time around me has heard me use the phrase dangerous, but good. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what his voice sounds like to me. It's dangerous, but good. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, it's a reference to, because I don't think I've shared this on the podcast before. It's a reference to the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. And there's a point in the Chronicles of Narnia, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, um, where um, the kids are with the beavers and they're talking about Aslan. And um, Lucy asks Mr. Beaver, um, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver laughs and he's like, well, of course he's not safe, but he's good. Yeah. And I've always like really liked that. Of course he's not safe. He's a lion. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, he's but he's good. <laughs> yeah. He's not, ta- he's not a tame lion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like for me, the Lord's voice usually is calling me into something that to me feels dangerous and I want to make sure I communicate that I I'm never really in danger. Like I'm never undefended. It's scary. It's scary. It feels dangerous, but it's good. Like there's goodness in it for me. And so um, like a lot of times it sounds like that. It also is very like (laughs) patient and tender um, very much like, you know, my language. I think, mm-hmm. I think we said that, like, about it being really intimate and um, 
he's very straightforward and I enjoy that. So it makes sense that he would, but not in a mean way, you know. Um, I think for me, when it comes to differentiating between either my own inner unhealthy dialogue or other people using God's name to communicate something to me that maybe isn't God. Mm. Um, The way I differentiate between that is in measuring it against what I know to be true about God's character. Yeah. So if I know, for instance, in this story, if I know to be true about God's character, that he's consistent when someone comes to me and says something that's not consistent with what he's already communicated to me, I know that they're not speaking for God. Yeah. If I know God's voice to be kind and his character to be kind, if someone says something to me or if I say something to myself that's unkind, I know that's not the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that that is like one pretty, pretty um, significant measurable way to measure what is really the Lord and what's not because um, you know, he has revealed lots of things about his character to us in scripture yeah. and in meditation for me, like he's revealed a lot of things about who he is and the character and his heart of who he is. And um, when voices or prophets come along <laughs> to uh, speak things that are different from that, it's pretty obvious to me that it's not him, right. you know? Yeah. And I I think that was kind of along the lines of what I was trying to say and like measuring, you know, what I am saying to myself or what somebody else is saying to me or whatever situation is happening and measure it against what I already know to be true about God and what he has told me and, you know, making sure that it's consistent because he is consistent. He is a consistent God and he keeps his promises and he keeps his word and and he is good, though dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always good, rarely safe. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Yeah. The other thing, like, about this story that I want to talk about, and I don't know, maybe we'll cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a lot of times, especially in Old Testament stories, I feel like that we tend to read them as something bad happens and it's God enacting judgment on sure mm-hmm. them for disobeying. Punishing him for not, for going to a dinner party. Yeah, for going to a dinner party. <laughs> and like... Recently, I've been exploring the idea that maybe most of the time what appears to be God enacting judgment is really just like God knew what was going to happen if you went to a dinner party. Yeah. Like you were going to cross paths with a lion. And so he told you, don't stay and go to a dinner party. (laughs) (laughs) And you did that. And so it ended up that you cross paths with a lion (laughs) yeah um you know like maybe it's more about god having a foreknowledge of -hmm. the future seeing the future and knowing what is (laughs) good and healthy for you yeah and like warning you against doing that thing because he knows what's gonna happen if you do that thing um rather than like you disobeyed so i'm gonna have you eaten by a lion (laughs) I don't know what are your thoughts I no, I completely agree I I think that that's something that um we have both learned kind of recently you know going back and you went back and you read a bunch of the old testament and I got to hear all the stories all the renegade bible stories (laughs) from your processing and you know and I would go back and read some and and I think that, you know, per our studies and conversations, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that, like, it's not... I think we we knew we... I think 
back up, gather your thoughts. (laughs) We know already before reading those stories, we knew that God is a God of grace and we knew he was consistent and we knew he was a God of love. And I think we have to, we have to go back and read those stories with that as the baseline um, to be able to truly understand what's happening and to not read it, and especially the Old Testament, and go, oh, God is so mean and so mm. judgmental and, you know, he's a punishing God and he's an angry God. And I think I think we both kind of came to a point where we were like, actions have consequences. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, if I murdered somebody today, I would go to jail. The Lord would mm-hmm. still love me. I would still be loved by the Father, which is wild in a whole separate <laughs> podcast episode. But um, but I would still go to jail. You know, God's love for me is not going to stop the world from putting me in jail. And so actions have consequences. And this prophet had the privilege and the honor and of a God that told him, you know, don't stay for any reason. You got to keep, don't delay. You got to keep going. Mm -hmm. And he did delay because he bought into a lie that somebody else told him about God and what he had said. And he suffered the consequences and it was not a heaven sent lion to take his head off. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it was a worldly consequence to an action. Um, that God knew what happened. And I think that I think that due to interpretations and translations of the Bible we often get you know sentences like and then God sent this nation to take over Israel. And it makes it sound like God sent, and maybe he did, you know, but, you know, the the baseline of knowing that God loves them is knowing that whether he sent it, sent that punishment, quote unquote, or not, the fact was that in the end, it was meant for them to turn back to him for their health mm-hmm. and for their well-being, right? And... um I think that throughout the years, we've just kind of morphed into a society that believes that God punishes that way mm-hmm. and is harmful and hurtful because we disobey. And we say that, you know, compare it to parents who punish their children, but it's not really the same. Yeah, you're right. And I think, yeah, go ahead. We are constantly using, I like that you brought that up because we are constantly using humanness to try to understand God. Yeah. And so we apply these like human characteristics to him, like, you know, like a parent disciplines their kids, but all we know is a broken parent. Yeah. So we, even the best parents, like, both of us have pretty rad parents. We do. Um, even the best parents in the world, disciplining in the best way they know how is still nothing compared to a God who is unconditional. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think um, one of the best ways that it was ever like help me shift my perspective on, oh, my internet connection is unstable. Can you hear me? Am I, I can hear you. Am I cutting in and out? You're cutting in and out a little bit. Great. <laughs> well, cut that out. Uh, the best thing that was ever kind of said to me to like, that helped me shift my perspective on how I read certain things in scripture mm-hmm. is that, Um, like the idea, like I was really caught up at one point on the fact that there's a piece in scripture that's um, in um, Exodus 
that says God hardened Pharaoh's heart when it's talking right. about, you know, you know, his pe- calling his people out of Israel. And I was like, that's not fair. If God made um, Pharaoh's heart hard and then punished him for having a hard heart, like, yeah, that that's kind of a right. jerk move, you know? And I had actually asked my, uh, my dad about it, my parents. And my mom said, she was like, well, think about it like this. Like, what if I said, Jess made me mad? Mm. And she's like, does that mean that you came and physically changed my emotion? (laughs) (laughs) No, something you did made me angry. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so like, if you read it that way, of like God hardens Pharaoh's heart, like, oh, something God did or who God was, Pharaoh responded with hardness, you know? Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, like it blew my mind. And it all came from a perspective that like, I had this um, unconscious perspective that God was unfair or that God was just mean and, you know, right. Demanding and judgmental and (laughs) yeah. (laughs) To have the deck stacked against deck stacked against us. And it's, and that all comes from, you know, what we've been taught. I think for decades and centuries, people have been believing this about God, believing that, I mean, pretty much believing that he's a manipulator, you know, Mm -hmm. because if you, if you believe that God came and physically hardened Pharaoh's heart against him and the people of Israel and then punished him for being hardened, you're believing in a manipulator, a God who manipulates. Mm -hmm. And that kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah. That kind of sucks. And so, like, and my whole perspective, and we've said this on the podcast before, my my whole perspective on the Old Testament and how I read about who God is in the Old Testament and in the New Testament sometimes changed drastically when I realized that I have to go into it. I have to go into every story and sometimes every sentence and say, what do I know about God and mm-hmm. how does this fit that? Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and like... The baseline is God is love. God is love. So, you know, what Mm -hmm. does that mean about his justice? Mm -hmm. If God is love, what does that mean about his actions, about, about his, what he says, you know, like, how does that fit into this story? Because it's truth. So it has Mm -hmm. to fit into the story. And it, it changes the whole thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm now yeah. able to see the tender, kind, loving, rescuer God of the Old Testament. Whereas before, I was only able to see the hard, angry, um, reactive, punisher God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, that was a big change for me is, like, I tend to especially when I get to passages that feel um, like I'm not, I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and when I get to passages, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I try to ask myself, like, what do I know about who God is? What do I know about who, who man is? Mm. Um, and how do I look at the story through those things that I know? You know, yeah. um, it helps me like shift. Oh, like <laughs> I know that God is whatever, patient. So if I'm reading this as him being impatient, that doesn't line up with what I know to be true. Yeah. So either the story's wrong or my perspective on the story's wrong. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah. But, like, this time reading through through the Old Testament, like, I was kind of surprised by how many times, even when God's people are experiencing what is perceived to be God's judgment, how they call him kind and speak about his loving kindness and his slowness to anger 
even David who like was at the end of his life and God, he makes a mistake and God gives him a choice. And he's like, you can have this, you can have your enemies come up against you or I can punish you. And he's like, I'll take you, I'll take your punishment because you're (laughs) far, far more kind and gracious than my enemies. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) It just, I think it blew my mind when I read it because my perception of Old Testament, Old Testament God, quote unquote, was not that. (laughs) Yeah. And here's the guy in the midst of it who's about to be punished, you know, like talking about how great and loving and patient God is. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, (laughs) and like, what does that mean about punishment? Yeah. Oh, very you true. know, yeah. and like, I think that maybe, maybe punishment is a word that we need to redefine when it comes to God, because. Mm. Oh, man, that's a good point. Because like, in back. that case, it just means, you know, it's, it's teaching, I think, I think it's probably, mm. I'm thinking out loud, this is the first time I'm thinking about this. So it's going to come out with all <laughs> the weird words. But I think it's just teaching you know and like discipline if we want to use a more whatever term but like I think we probably need to redefine punishment in that case because we see that as something that you know we've done something wrong so we deserve something bad and I don't I don't think that when it Mm. comes to God that that's what that means at all I think it means we've done something that bad that hurt us that made us unhealthy that um that maybe we shouldn't have done or maybe that hurt some somebody else and i think what david i think what david knew that we don't know yet is that god's quote unquote punishment is redirection or something That's such a like good- that That's such a good point. And I, it goes back to what I said earlier about the fact that we take our humanness and try to understand and define God by that humanness. And I have never thought about that in relation to punishment. Like the only idea of punishment that we have is human punishment. Yeah. We have no concept of what it means to be unconditionally loved and punished. Like we have no, there's always some form of brokenness in the punishment that we experience as humans. Bound up in law, bound up in rules, Mm. and the rigidity that is, that comes with being human. Yeah. I, I never even thought about it in relation to punishment itself because that's, that's a really good point. Really I have thing. some of those sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep you around. Occasionally, those, I'll throw out a good point. <laughs> for those little gems every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, I, I honestly hadn't thought of that either. And I've heard you talk about that that story, David's story of taking God's punishment over facing his enemies. You know, I've heard you say, tell me that one quite a few times. And that just occurred to me that like, he knew something about punishment that we don't, mm. not just about God, about mm. God too, but also about punishment. There, there's something that he knew about the way that God punishes that we don't, and I think we need to. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah, because even it, that word, like I'm like cringing every time I hear the word punishment because yeah. it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that word in relation to God because I, as humans, it has such a negative connotation. It it's does. like, I don't know, like for me, it's like getting, getting whipped, you know, like that's what punishment, yeah. like my brain immediately goes there. Like to um, me, punishment is something that we like to believe is going to help us do better in the future, but it really is just bad for bad. It's really Mm. just unkindness. And, you know, I think, I think, I think that punishment that in the way that we know it to be human punishment is just 
receiving something bad for doing something bad. Bad. Yeah. And so like, I mean, and it's, it's exactly what I said before. Like you have to go in to those stories with the baseline that God is love. So if God is love, what does that mean about punishment? About mm-hmm. godly punishment? Say so, yeah, I like, I don't even yeah, like the you word. Cr- I, I see your like, face. You cringe every out. time I say it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we, clearly we need to process this and find a new word <laughs> so that we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know that a word exists in our language to describe what it means to be because disciplined I, by God. I, I think that out of my own experiences... I have seen myself do some pretty not great things. I've hurt myself. I've hurt others. And God receives me with grace. And through grace, I am taught how to be better and do better and mature and grow. And so I don't know that whatever word we want to use for in place of punishment. I don't know that it's separate from grace. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially, well, when it comes to God, definitely not. Yeah. I don't think that there's anything that God can do that's separate from grace. Right. Because it is his identity. Yeah. So, you know, he'd have to become someone else in order to do something without grace. Yeah. So it's a great, what is the, uh, what is the definition of grace again? The active expression of God's love for us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was, there's some definition that people like to use about deserving, getting what we don't deserve. Don't deserve. Yeah. So like in this context, mm. I just imagine I imagine that conversation with David going differently. You can receive, you know, your enemies at your door or you can receive my grace and grow. I don't know. We're literally just on the cusp of something and wildly (laughs) off topic. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) To me, I think that, is what's cool about that's what I find really cool about re-engaging with these stories because Mm -hmm. it leads me down all these little rabbit trails with with God yeah like you know you know I I think that when we read fairy tales it's easy for us to be like oh where's the Where's the nugget of truth in the fairy tale? Like, yeah. where's the lesson to be learned from Cinderella? Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, the, the Disney so, lessons. <laughs> yeah, like, we, we try to find these, like, even, okay, so Encanto is really big right now. Yeah. I can't tell you how many TikToks I have seen about people, like, unpacking Encanto and being like, yeah, okay, this is the, you know, this is what it's saying about you know, generational trauma. And this is what it's saying about, you know, (laughs) taking on too much and caring too much. And yes. And withholding your emotions and like, like exiling your uncles. What? Yeah. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. So they do this with like Encanto, but we don't do that with scripture. Like we don't do that with Bible stories. Yeah. We don't, look at them and say, okay, what is this teaching me about what it means to listen to what God says versus what some other human tells me God said, you know, like we don't unpack it in that way. We just take them as like historical stories, like historical. Yeah. Well, the Bible has been treated as a sacred textbook. Mm -hmm. And so like when you read textbooks, they are giving you the facts laid out as they are. You know, it's not a story for you to dive into and understand. It's 
just the facts. And I don't, I don't believe that that's what the Bible is. I don't, I don't believe the Bible was ever meant to be a textbook. Mm-mm. So we can't read it like one. Much nope, rather read I, it like a fairy tale. I'm going to get something. I'm going to say something. It might get us our first hate email. I don't think the Bible is ever supposed to be a religious text. Mm. I've been because thinking I don't about think, that too. I don't think God ever wanted to start a religion. No. Honestly, I think, because I've been Same. thinking about this, and I don't remember why I started thinking about it, but something... Oh, I saw an article or something about somebody finding a what was thought to be first century um, uh, manuscript piece, like a piece of a manuscript of Mark, of the book of Mark, which was like super interesting to me. And I went down this rabbit hole of how people find religious texts, especially the New Testament ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I was thinking, and I'm like, if you think about most of the New Testament, it's all just letters that they wrote mm-hmm. each other. It's mm-hmm. all just letters that they wrote each other. And then somebody one day said, I'm going to put this all together because it's super interesting. And then, then somebody else, or probably maybe the same person, said, this is going to be our religious text. <laughs> and we're going to base our entire religion off of it. And it probably wasn't so, like, set and so, like, on the nose that way and was more gradual. But, like, when you think about it, you know, people write things down. It's humans are like that. I write in a journal. I write my songs in a journal. Um, You journal. Lots of people journal. Mm -hmm. And, And imagine, like hundreds thousands of years from now suddenly somebody's looking in your journal and is like this is a religious text (laughs) good lord (laughs) basically that's what happened to david all of his personal songs (laughs) this is so true (laughs) his personal (laughs) journal was like all of his songs ended up in our religious text (laughs) oh and he gets so much crap for being like so depressed one day and happy the next day and i'm like have you read my journal lately like, yes. have you been alive lately because you do that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so so i've been thinking a lot about that and how how sacred we regard the bible and how not sacred the people at that time were regarding their own letters yeah for sure you know and like I'm not saying that the Bible isn't sacred or that it's not important or that it's not, you know, whatever. I'm just saying we forget where to place our entire hope, and it's not in the book. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I believe that the Bible is a sacred text only because it tells me the story of a sacred God not because yeah. the Bible itself is holy. Right. Right. It would be like if somebody created a religion based off the Chronicles of Narnia, and then they <laughs> took that one book that I got in middle school that had every single one of the books all in one, and it was like <laughs> this big. What is that? Like. 10 inches I don't know um and then called that their bible but yeah I think I rambled a lot today it's okay it's good stuff lots of good stuff today lots of processing yeah Check back in with us next week, and we may say something different. I don't know, because a lot of, like, (laughs) you guys caught us, like, real life, you know, in the moment processing. 
you basically that this podcast is basically an audio version of what our text message string <laughs> would have looked like <laughs> had we have been processing this offline yes <laughs> doesn't that sound fun don't you wish you were in a group text with us (laughs) Uh, let me tell you it's great until you have to find something that we sent like what two weeks ago but you have to go through like 15 pages of text (laughs) forget it (laughs) it's lost you better have screenshotted that at the time because if not it's gone it's gone it's lost forever (laughs) oh my gosh we text a lot and we text True. novels. Facts. Facts. Well, that's it. That's the Renegade Bible story. Um, I hope that you guys will take the story and find the truth hidden in it or find something out about yourself or about who God is through it. Because that's the purpose of it. Yeah. Oh. The end. Well, just because we did yeah. something different does not mean we get to escape the F word of the day. I mean, we got to end out with the F word of the day. Of course. Of course. I'm, I, I don't know if I've done this one before because I'm starting to lose track of what I've done on my list. Nope. We have not. Um, great. Good. Thank you. The word is, it's a hyphenated word. So it's two words. It's foxfire. Both of them are F words. So (laughs) don't come at me. Um, Foxfire. So it is a word that dates back to the mid 1400s and people don't really use it anymore. But the meaning of it is, it is the glowing phosphorescence emitted by a dying ember. Ooh, so like an ember in the fire that's like dying out. Yeah. So the light like that comes from that. Yeah, basically. So next time you're mm. out camping and you're waiting for the fire to go out, you can sound really fancy and use the term foxfire to refer to your campfire. I that's just dying. had a moment of realizing that Dumbledore's Phoenix is named Fox. Oh yeah, and he's a phoenix that yeah dies but it's not spelled f-o-x i know i know (laughs) fair that's a fair assumption though you can't tell me that our writer didn't do that on purpose she probably did i wonder what fox means the way that it's spelled yeah yeah never mind don't don't listen to us harry potter nerds (laughs) A surname Fox. of a Norman French origin appearing in British Isles, blah, blah, blah. It means falcon. See, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't right. make any I feel sense. Like, exactly. Exactly. And We're she just going like, to decide that she did that on purpose. Yeah. I'm, I'm deciding it <laughs> okay. right now. I don't care what she says or thinks. <laughs> a lot of people don't anymore. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Who cares about her? Harry Potter's ours now. Exactly. Foxfire. Great F word. Great double F word? Yeah. 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 I like it. All right. Well, tell us what you think about it. Or... Just tell us like what you thought of the Renegade Bible story and what pieces stuck out to you. Um, You can email us at rfingpodcast at gmail.com or you could send us a message through our Instagram at rfingpodcast. You can also talk to us through our personal Instagrams. Jess is at Renegade Pastor and I'm at Carolina P underscore De Silva. We would love to hear from you, like for real, especially me, because don't just text Jess. I'm special, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't want her to get too jealous. Yeah, guys, I I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Please, please talk to us. 
Um, don't forget to subscribe to us so you can get notified every time we have a new episode. Um, leave us a review. Tell us you like us. Tell us you hate us. Mm-hmm. Tell us we ramble too much. Just tell us anything mm-hmm. at this point. Like we just want to know you're out there and you're not robot. Tell us. Tell us you're there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Caro. I'm Jess. And this is our effing podcast. And don't forget to love each other. Don't forget it.